Uh, This morning we're going to be in John chapter 6 as we finish up our series on the signs from the gospel of John. You see, John is unlike the other gospels in several respects, but one important respect is he doesn't record very many miracles at all. Seven signs. He handpicks these miracles of Jesus with a very clear purpose in mind. He wants for them to help us believe. He wants for them to grow our faith. Um, And it's a theme in his gospel. And as we encounter these signs, these wonders, not only do we contemplate the glory of Jesus, but they also help us come to terms with our own limitations. I can't turn water into wine. (laughs) I can't heal the sick with a touch. I can't walk on water. And so we're reminded of who Jesus is and just how much. We need Jesus. Fifty-four times in the Gospel of John, the author will speak of the importance of belief, of putting faith in Jesus. John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, he'll tell us what he's up to here. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in His name. Life in His name. That's what we're after this morning. And so Jesus performed scores of miracles, but they're not recorded by John. He just gives us a few to help us come to faith. One of those signs in John chapter 6 is Jesus walking on water, walking on the surface of the Sea of Galilee. And John's account is an abbreviated account. Matthew and Mark also tell this story. And I want you to think this morning, John's account is kind of like a link on a website. It, It teases you with a picture or a line, and you click on it, to read more. And this morning, we're going to click on John's link, John chapter 6. It's also going to take us to the gospel of of Matthew, an expanded account, and the gospel of Mark, an expanded account. But here's the link this morning in John 6. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. And Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. They said, uh, but he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. It's a story that helps us see Jesus and helps us see ourselves at the same time. I heard a while back this account of a husband who became very concerned about his wife, about her hearing. Um, he had come to believe that she was slowly going deaf. It, it, was, it was a worrisome thing for him. Also, at times, it became very frustrating for him in the home. So the next time he went to the family doctor, he brought this up 
to the doctor. He said, I'm pretty sure my wife is losing her hearing. I say things. She doesn't respond. She doesn't speak back. And the doctor said, yeah, that's concerning. I, I, what, here's what I want, want you to do to test the severity of her deafness. You, you'll go home tonight, and I want you to stand maybe 20, 25 feet away from her and speak to her. If she doesn't respond, I want you to step in about five feet, speak to her again about the same volume. If she doesn't respond, continue this until she finally answers back, and then we'll get some idea of kind of the severity of the problem. So he did that. He got home, and his wife was in the kitchen chopping up vegetables. Looked like she was fixing dinner. And so about 25 feet away, he said, Honey, what's for dinner? No answer. Walked in about five feet, repeated, Honey, what's for dinner? No answer. Five feet, Honey, what's for dinner? Finally, he ended up just basically on top of her, inches away from her ear, and he said, Honey, what's for dinner? And she spun around, and with some anger in her voice, she said, For the fifth time, I'm making vegetable soup. Turns out she wasn't the deaf one. Turns out he was the one with the problem, right? And I think sometimes we get in these seasons as disciples where, wow, it, it, it seems like Jesus has gone silent. What's going on, Lord? Why, uh, why aren't you speaking? I need a word from you. And I wonder... When I look at a story like this, it, if, maybe it's that I'm not close enough to Jesus. Maybe it's that I am the one who needs to lean into the Lord. So we get into the story, and every time you see the disciples in the Gospels with a basic, I got this attitude, like, Jesus, you can kind of hang back on this one. And I could give you a dozen examples, probably just from the life of Peter, but other disciples as well. Every time they thought, I got this, Jesus, you can hang back, no problem. Things go kind of wrong, don't they? And we find out how much we depend on the Lord. The closer we get to Jesus, the more likely we are to hear his voice, the more likely we are to see and sense his presence, the more likely we are to experience his power and favor un, uh, unleashed in our lives. And so the gospel writers, when recording how Jesus walked on water, they all record an unflattering detail. Let's remember, these are the guys who are writing down these stories for us in the gospels. And they all, to a gospel writer, tell us that when they saw Jesus walking across the water, they were terrified. They didn't know what to think, but it was scary to them. They had seen Jesus perform some amazing miracles, but this seems to go to the next level for them. They don't seem quite able to to figure this one out. I mean, it all started when just moments before or, or the previous day, Jesus had taken a child's lunch 
five barley loaves, two fishes, and he had transformed it into enough food to feed thousands of people. He told his disciples, I want you guys to go ahead of me. You're going to head over to Capernaum, to, G- to, to Peter's hometown. Go down to the lake, get in a boat, start rowing across. I'll catch up to you at some point. So he stayed behind, and he dismissed the crowds that were finishing up there. And as it grew dark, he went up onto a mountainside. He just wanted to spend time with his father. And so he prayed and prayed. And when it was like two or three in the morning, he's up on this mountainside overlooking the lake. He can see the boat off in the distance, just a pinprick in the distance. Maybe there's some lightning flashes or something. And he, see, and he can tell that they are struggling. I mean, there's a storm that has developed, and, and there are waves, and there is wind, and it's battering the boat. And these guys who are professional fishermen, they are working, 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 and they're just kind of stalled in the middle of the sea, and they're running out of gas. I mean, they don't have much energy left. And Jesus did what, what you or I would do if you saw a friend who was struggling, who was in a dangerous situation, Jesus wanted to go to them, walks down off the mountainside, gets to the beach. There's no boat there for him to take. There's no jet ski lying around. So he walks straight across the beach and onto the water and heads directly for that struggling vessel out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And we've heard this story before. But that doesn't make it any less spectacular, does it? He walked across the water. Now, John has recorded these selected miracles for us. And any miracle is impressive. I mean, it kind of goes with the territory of being a miracle, right? But this one is different order stuff. Water into wine, impressive Jesus heals all kinds of sick people. Impressive. Jesus raises Lazarus from dead. Very impressive. But they had seen things like this. I mean, they had seen sick people get better without Jesus. They had maybe not seen a dead person rise back to life, but they had seen people almost dead make a remarkable turnaround. But they had never seen any human being walk on water or almost walk on water. They had nowhere to put this. They had no way to to process this. And so he's he's walking across the water. The disciples are rowing like crazy. It's it's three o'clock in the morning. It's it's pitch dark now. It's three o'clock in the morning, dark now. And, And they see something, or maybe, you know, when it's raining really hard like last night and there's lightning and stuff, you 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 can't see really clearly, but there's something. Is it is it a white cap? Is it a sailboat? Is it what is it that's moving closer to us? And then whatever it is, it's coming straight for them. What, what is that? Do you see that, Andrew asks? I don't know. Philip, what do you think? What is that? And the gospel writers re- record that fear overwhelmed them. 
No longer were they fearful because of the storm. No longer were they fearful that they were running out of energy. How would they make it to the other side? They were fearful because this this figure that looked a lot like Jesus was walking across the water toward them. Matthew and Mark both tell us that they were terrified because they thought it was a ghost. First service this morning, my dramatic pause right then, a two-year-old voice spoke up, a ghost! It was great, it was great. Good to know I'm connecting with the two-year-olds. And they had to be thinking, you know, am I asleep? Am I dreaming this? Are we having some kind of, you know, collective uh, out-of-body experience, like a a hallucination or something? What's going on? Is this an optical illusion caused by the waves? No. It was their friend. It was their rabbi. It was Jesus approaching, walking on the water. He called out to them, John chapter 6, verse 20. It's I. Don't be afraid. Next time you're in the middle of a storm, and we all face storms from time to time, next time you're in the middle of a circumstance that is definitely not of your choosing, and that's making you feel like things are out of control, let Jesus speak to you. Lean in. Listen. Don't be deaf to his presence. He will speak to you. It is I. Do not be afraid. We got this. I love Peter here. Uh, there's a lot of flaws to Peter. We won't go into all of that this morning. He, he said weird things and wrong things without fully thinking them through. He would do things sometimes in a half-baked sort of way, like the time he chopped off a uh, Malchus's servant's ear and Jesus rebuked him. He was always kind of doing things a little too a little too impromptu, if you will, but I like him here. He says to Jesus, he says, Hey Lord, if that's really you, call to me. I'll come to you. And Jesus, Matthew chapter 14, 29, simply says, Come. Gives him the invitation, come on out. <laughs> and then something happened. Peter, Peter steps out. Peter gets onto the water. Peter puts his weight onto the water. And, and I mean, it is like, it's, it, it's like you on your sidewalk going to get your mail or this morning pulling up in the parking lot here and swinging your legs out of the car and putting them onto the, onto the parking lot. I mean, it's solid. And he starts walking. One step, another step, and then something happened. We don't know exactly what it was. Did his uh, you know, gust of wind and his cloak blew off? A little, a little water off one of those waves kicked up into his face. Whatever it was, it caused him to doubt. And he started to sink. That cold lake water began to envelop him. Next thing you know, he is gasping. He's flailing. He's scared to death. 
And he cries out, Lord, save me, Matthew 14, 20. Lord, save me. And he felt the strong hand of Jesus grab onto his hand and pull him up out of the water. And then they walked the rest of the way to the boat, and they climbed in. Jesus said, Peter, why did you doubt? Ye of little faith. At least he had the faith to get out of the boat, right? Unlike the other guys. Little faith is better than no faith. But they climb back into the boat, and this impromptu worship service breaks out. We see in Matthew chapter 14, 33, they proclaim, Truly, you are the Son of God, and they worship Him. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. You may be a Jesus follower for decades, for as long as you can remember. You may be a new believer. You may be here with all sorts of questions and doubts, and I have no idea if I even believe this stuff. I mean, wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, one thing that is crystal clear from stories like this and other places throughout the New Testament, there's no way to get to Jesus without taking a step of faith. Faith is the only way to experience the life that God has for you. At some point, you got to throw your legs over the side and put your weight into Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 And it is impossible, impossible, to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Knowing stuff is great. I hope that all of us who are disciples, I hope we get to know more and more, more and more scripture, more and more about God, more and more good theology. I hope we get to know more and more. And doing stuff is great. I mean, we got stuff going on all the time in our mission field of Dallas-Fort Worth, urban missions from Preston Crest are making campaign, uh, trips overseas to help orphanages in, in Ghana or, or working with the poor in Guatemala. We got all sorts of stuff going on. We got ministries here, teaching and things. We got, we got all sorts of stuff to do. Doing is great. Do more stuff. Yeah, do more stuff. Yeah. Jesus loves to see us serving people. But there is no amount of knowing and there is no amount of doing that can be a substitute for believing for having faith Hebrews 11:6 it is impossible to please God without faith and it starts with that simple idea God I believe you exist I'm going to trust that and I believe that you will reward me as I seek you I'm putting my feet over the boat Lord I'm going in on this no substitute for faith. Theoretical physicist, Cambridge professor John Polkinghorne, who also happens to be an Anglican priest, wrote an interesting story about the nature of faith. A philosopher, a scientist, and a simple man, none of whom could swim, were trapped in a cove with sheer cliff faces 
They split up, but the tide kept coming in. Rescuers arrived and lowered a rope with a safety harness. The philosopher said, Ah, this looks like a rope, but I might be mistaken. It could be wishful thinking. It could be an illusion. And so he didn't attach himself, and he was drowned. The scientist said, Ah, this is an 11-millimeter polyester rope with a breaking strain of 2,800 kilograms. It conforms to MR81 standards and then proceeded to give an exhausted and entirely correct analysis of the chemical and physical properties of the rope. But he did not attach himself, and he drowned. And then the simple man said, I'm not sure if this is a rope or a python tail, but it is my only chance. I'm grabbing on and holding on with dear life. And he was saved. A disciple of Christ may commit to knowing more. That's good. To doing more. That's good. But a disciple of Christ never takes for granted that following Jesus is at its core a series of faith steps. Pleasing God without faith, impossible. So here on your outline, we're going to go pretty quickly through this this morning. So if you like to fill your outline out, I would urge you to get ready. We're going to talk about what do you do when you're in a storm season, hurricane season, the storms are coming. How do you get ready for that? What do you do when you come up against storms? And we know we all will face some storms in life. The first thing is very simply this. I will remain, remain calm and carry on. Everything may be going exactly according to plan, His plan, even though I'm in the middle of the storm. Like we think sometimes, oh no, all this stuff is happening. The floor has given way beneath me. I have no idea what to do. Where is God? It may be that the Lord put you there. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat... And go on ahead of them. Jesus put them in the storm. Jesus orchestrated this whole moment. Keep calm and carry on. You may be right in the middle of His will for your life, for this season of your life even in the middle of a storm. Maybe there's something He needs to teach you. Maybe there's something He wants to show you. Maybe there's something He wants to do for you, and He can only do it in these particular circumstances. Second thing, I will keep my eyes on Jesus. I won't get so focused on the storm that I lose sight of Jesus. So preoccupied by whatever it is that I take my eyes off the Lord. He says, John 6, 21, don't be afraid, I am here. Jesus says, eyes on me. We're going to be okay. Next thing, I will take a step of faith. I won't see the Lord's power at work in me until I step out of the boat. 
Matthew 14, 29, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. It's a step of faith. I see Jesus, and I'm going to move toward Jesus. Next, I will stay humble. Peter needed this. I need this. You need this. Stay in humble. Storms put me in a place where I come to think less of myself and more of him. Storms tend to expose my limitations, my need for others, my need for the Lord. And they tend to bring glory to God. And finally, I love this. I love this. I will worship I praise Jesus knowing that my future is not determined by my situation, but by my Savior. In fact, you can go as far to say, you can go as far as to say, your future has been determined by your Savior. Your future is written by the blood of the Lamb. And you can praise, and you should praise whether you are on the other side of the storm, whether you're in the middle of the storm, or whether you can see the storm clouds gathering. Truly, you are the Son of God. I worship you. I exist to bring you glory. And so, if you would just close your eyes with me. We're going to finish. got a minute left. Just close your eyes because this is really for you and the Lord this morning. I want you to think about, for you, what a faith step might look like. Like, what boat is the Lord asking you to climb out of this morning so that you can step into His plans for you? What boat, what place of perceived safety is the Lord calling you out of this morning so that you can step in to what he has for you? Does it have to do with a relationship? A career decision? Maybe it has to do with your finances. Maybe you're giving, moving up and becoming a tither or going beyond the tithe and blessing the church here. Maybe it's a ministry that God keeps putting in front of you but you keep saying, nah, nah, the timing's not right, or I'm not prepared. Maybe it's time to step out of the boat and step into that. So what boat is the Lord asking you to climb out of so that you can climb into the middle of His plan for you? And finally, I would say this, just between you and the Lord, um, maybe it's time that you step into the water of baptism. To put your weight into His grace, into His Lordship. Be buried with Him in baptism. That's an act of faith in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to do today, I would invite you to take that faith step. But what we're going to do now is we're just going to stand together. We're going to do what those disciples did. We're going to do some worshiping as we finish out our time this morning.